Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If the people of Egypt still didn't know who the Lord was, we learn from this that Israel did. They knew the Lord was not like any other God. He was not like any of the false gods of Egypt or Canaan, the third stanza. Here's the fourth stanza in verse 14 through 19. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. And that would be what? Who? The Philistines. The chief, then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. And all the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in, in verse 17, and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever, for the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. So the fourth stanza. The people will hear and be afraid. So when the Canaanites heard of what happened to the Egyptians, they were afraid and their hearts melted. The inhabitants of the land heard of the Egyptian army that was destroyed in the sea. And the people heard that the cloud led them by day and the fire by night. And the Canaanites, the unbelievers, they were afraid. And and, and notice here, I want to share something with you that we need to be clear about. God didn't do all this because they deserved it. We talked about that. God clearly brought them through the sea because of his grace. Psalm 106, verse 6 through 8. I love this psalm. It says, we have sinned with our fathers, making it clear. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, here's God's grace. He saved them. Why, saints? For his namesake, that he might make his mighty power known. In other words, God brought them out of Egypt, not because they deserved it and not even because they asked. He bought them out of Egypt for his namesake. Remember, he bought them out of Egypt so that he could show the Egyptian gods that 
they were not gods. He bought them out of Egypt for his glory. We got to get that because I think there's a grace message in that. And I think that there's a a freedom in that, 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 that we don't have to deserve anything. I've been in ministry for, I don't know, 19, 20 years now. And I've been a Christian for 24. And I think I'm just getting it. To tell you the truth, I'm just getting it. God does what God does, not because we deserve it. I mean, I know it, but I think I know it more now. God does what God does because he does it for his namesake. And that's why we need to share with people and we need to tell people of the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the loving kindness of God. Because God does what he does in our lives for his namesake. Therefore, we should give him glory for it. I hope that makes sense. For his namesake, he does it. And notice in verse 20, I love these next couple of verses. Look at verse 20. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron. So they finished the song, right? And now Miriam, she steals her brother's song. Look what she does. It's pretty funny. The prophetess, the sister of Aaron, she took a timbrel, a tambourine in her hand, and all... All the women went out after her with tambourines and with dances, and Miriam answered them. Right? So she answered them. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Now listen, this is the first time Miriam is mentioned by name, and she is described as a prophetess and the sister of Moses. And Miriam, I mean, she's been through a lot with her brother. This is the same Miriam, her sister, who saw her brother put in a basket and sent downstream. She saw this and she's been following him ever since. She follows him through the Red Sea. And notice her brother writes a song. She takes the song, grabs a tambourine in her hand she, 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 she got a bunch of ladies. Notice the Bible says, and all the ladies. Remember, there's 2.5 million people. We know from previous texts that there was at least 600,000 men, not including women and children. So we could easily say that there's four, 500,000 women with a tambourine in their hand, singing and dancing. Which I should note, this is a message. Please take this in the right context. This is a message for my Baptist brothers and sisters. They're dancing. (gasps) Say it ain't so. They're dancing. It's okay to dance. Say amen, saints. Now, I'm not telling y'all to go to the club. Please hear me. That's not what pastor's saying. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it's okay to dance. Because y'all know what I think about Christians and dancing. Some can, some can. These ladies obviously could. And they went out dancing and rejoicing. And, and you might want to note, too, that Miriam is about 90 years old right now. She ain't no spring chicken and she's, you know, 
She. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna tell you something though. Miriam was. I bet she was spry. I mean, just spry. Today, I went to lunch, Elvira and I, with a lady. Her name is Wincy. I talk about Wincy because I love Wincy. And Wincy goes to this church. And Wincy turned 80 today. And she had a birthday lunch. And they invited Elvira and I some weeks ago and got it on the calendar. And, and, uh, I was just determined to get there, and uh, we went and had lunch, and it was like the best lunch ever. I mean, they have really good food, and uh, <laughs> I mean, her birthday was cool too, and everything like that. But and her everything, and uh, <laughs> and 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 this guy, we walk in, and this guy he's got like an accordion, and they're in there doing accordion worship. And it was the coolest thing, you know, singing from, they had hymnals. And, 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 and I don't know, the youngest person there was probably, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, 60, 65, 70 maybe. And, uh, but it was really, really wonderful. And we sat around, and a lot of those ladies are missionaries, have been missionaries in, in countries, in Romania. We talked about Romania and, and Europe and and uh, Africa, and uh, what a wonderful, wonderful time that was to just sit around and, and talk. And, uh, and, and so I, I actually had to leave, and it was kind of interesting when I left. It was like two people were like knocked out sleep, you know. <laughs> I'm talking like, oh, it was... It was really funny. It was cute. And it was a couple, too. They were sleeping together. <laughs> I kid you not. I'm talking sleep like we had, like, food. Like, food. Like, lettuce and tomatoes and onions on this plate. And they had turkey. And they had green beans. And, and one couple would just sleep. They were just, like, knocked out, like, the lettuce and tomatoes right here. And they were just like... So I go back in the kitchen. I'm not kidding you. I go back in the kitchen, and I, I mean, I go in and I, I was going in to say goodbye, and I said, "Well, you know, I, I I'm just, I'm just sticking my head in one last goodbye, you know," and uh, I, they were knocked out, and and so I I just said, you know, I think we're just gonna be leaving now. I went back in the front room and I said to the. To, to one family member, I said, I, I think you better get in there. I mean, I mean, they were just knocked out. So, and uh, I don't even know why I told you all that. And, uh, but it was funny and it was wonderful. And, you know, 90 years old, here we have Miriam and she's, she's, she's pretty spry. I mean, she's dancing and rejoicing and, and singing. And look at verse 22 and uh, moving right along. Verse 22, so Moses brought Israel, look at verse 22, brought, brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went into the wilderness, notice, of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came, saints listened, to Marah. They could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were what? Bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. Mara means bitter. 
And the people complained against Moses, saying, see, the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall, Pastor Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And so he cried out to the Lord, good thing, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it, the tree, into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Therefore, he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians. Why? For I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. And then they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. And so they encamped there by the waters. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. Keep in mind, when they came out of Egypt, the first stop they made was at Sukkoth. Remember, we talked about this. They stopped at Sukkoth. And then the second stop they made was at Etham, and it was at the edge of the wilderness, the third stop they made was at the Red Sea, and the fourth stop we have here in our text, the wilderness of shore, which means wall. Shore means wall because there was a mountain on their left, and the Red Sea at this point would have been on their right. And so we are three days after the Red Sea victory, and now they are in the wilderness. Listen. They come in the wilderness with excitement, expectation, energy, and they don't notice the heat after the first day and then the second day and the second day they probably have a little dry mouth and then the third day and they realize they have no water and when they finally found water, I'm sure that they were excited, but when they took the water and tasted the water, the water was bitter. It was undrinkable. It's Mara, meaning bitter. And they become bitter and they take it out on Moses and they complain. So they cry to Moses and Moses cried to the Lord and God showed him a tree. Now listen, they aren't in this bitter experience. Listen to me closely as I come in for close. They aren't in this bitter experience because they have sinned or because God's angry with them or because there's something wrong with them. They are at Mara in this bitter experience because God is trying to teach them something. It is God who led them to this bitter experience in the wilderness of Shur. God led them there. Therefore, God is trying to teach them something. God is trying to give them a test. You've all heard, this is a test. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Well, listen, for Israel, this is a test. This is only a test of the emergency faith system. God's giving them a test. And God is testing and proving them so that they might learn something, not that God might learn something. We got to understand something. When God tests you, God's not learning anything because he knows everything. So if God knows everything, then he can't learn anything. Get the CD. God's testing them 
that they might learn something. And God's testing you that you might learn something. Learn what? Learn to trust the Lord. They are whining and complaining because there's no water. And God is like, what? What more do I have to do for you people? I get you out of Egypt, miraculously, might I add. Hello, how soon we forget. I get you to the Red Sea, and the sea parts for you. Hello, this doesn't happen every day. As a matter of fact, it's never happened up until then, and it will never happen again. What? And you find yourself in the wilderness and you don't have any water. And the first thing you do is complain to Pastor Moses. God says, no, no, because he's got a lot more tests for them. And God's going to prove to them miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. It's time that they start looking back on their past experiences to move them forward in their present experiences and present things that are going to happen. They need to start looking toward that. But God's got to test them. God's got to let them see. You need to take reference. That's why the Bible talks so much about remember. Because how quickly we forget. Well, my bills are due. We don't have no food. Well, wait a minute. The question is, have you lost any weight? The answer is probably no. Well, that would mean that God in the past has provided for you. God has taken care of you. God has always taken care of you. I'll say it again because some of y'all sleep. God has always taken care of you. He's never failed anyone. He's not going to start with you. Therefore, you got to look to the past of what God has already done so that it can take you in the future but what God wants to do. You understand? So God is giving them a test. It's a test for them. So God told Moses, as the people complained, God said, Moses, take the tree and throw it into the bitter water. And when Moses threw the tree into or stick into the bitter water, did you notice it became sweet? It became sweet. I like that. The tree in the water, in the bitter water, made the bitter water sweet. Now listen, in the Bible, to the Christian, the tree is important. The tree is important. And you want to also notice that the tree didn't all of a sudden show up when everybody started grumbling. The tree was always there. It had already been there. Moses hadn't seen it. So the implication is, as Moses is crying to the Lord, God pointed out the tree. Moses didn't see it. It reminds me of Hagar, who was praying and asking for the life of her son, and she walked away. And the Bible says the Lord appeared to her and showed her a spring. It was there all the time. She just didn't see it. Remember Elisha at Dothan and the servant wakes up and he sees the Assyrian army and and, and he wakes Elisha up and he says, Look, we're, we're in trouble. And Elisha said, you know what? Please, 
man, it's too early. And then Elisha, he says, Lord, open the servant's eyes that he might see the angels of God surrounding the army, the Assyrian army that is surrounding us. The army was there all the time. He just didn't see it. You see, that teaches us something. Sometimes, listen, the answer is right in front of you. You just need a Lord to point it out. The answer is right there. So for the Christian, the tree is important. First Peter chapter two, verse 24. If you're taking notes, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Listen, saints, I believe the message to Moses and to us. Remember the tree in the bitter water became sweet. I believe the message to us and the message to Moses is if when you are facing a difficult situation or circumstance, if you throw in the tree for us Christian folk, the tree is the cross. If you throw in the cross in any situation and any, any difficult circumstance in any bitter situation, God will take that which is bitter and make it sweet. But for the Christian, he takes ashes and makes something beautiful out of them. Well, he takes bitter situations, and when we take our situations to Jesus and take it to the cross, to the tree, our bitter situations, they do become sweet. Does it mean they go away? No. Because life, Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good courage because I've overcome the world. So the situations and the problems and the circumstances, they don't go away, but they certainly become more tolerable and perhaps sweeter. So I guess the question is, what problem has you bitter tonight? Bitterness of heart, bitterness of life. Bitterness within you. What have you done to others? What others done to you? Bitterness in your experience. Bitterness in your memories. Who did what? Who hurt you? Bitter Mara in your spirit. Unforgiveness that's affecting your mind and affecting your body. Whatever it is. Listen, I think the text, the answer is in the tree. The cross. Got to throw in the tree. I should have titled this sermon. Got to throw in the tree. Got to throw in the cross. So in verse 26, we wrap it up. God said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight and listen to his statutes and commands, none of these diseases will be brought on you. The implication is perhaps the children of Israel were kind of thinking about what happened to the Egyptians. And we're out here whining, complaining, being disobedient. Maybe stuff's going to happen to us. Maybe. And, and, and God says, listen, it's not going to happen to you if you obey my statutes which are principles, and you obey my ordinances, which actually speak of privilege, privilege. So you obey my statutes, you obey my ordinances, and, and none of these things will come on you. And they went in verse 27, one day's journey, and they came to Elam, 
where there were wells and 70 palm trees and they encamped there. Elam was more like Hawaii. It was nice. It was much more comfortable place. And God knew they needed it. And the interesting thing to note here is after a time of testing, God had a time of refreshing. But before the refreshing at Elam, there was the bitterness of Mara. And there's a sermon in there somewhere. You see, God knows when to test them and God knows when to rest them. How you like that? God knows when to test them. God knows when to rest them. And that's what he does from bitter water to sweet water to flowing water at Elam. That's what God wants to do in our lives. Sometime we got to rest them. We got to go through tests as well. Mara and Elam. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.